Amen. Praise the Lord. My goodness. What a blessing that song is. I, I tell you, I don't know. That may be one of the first times that you've heard that, but I've heard it for the last two or three weeks. Brother Scotty's been sitting out here playing that and practicing it on a Sunday morning while I'm in my uh, study preparing for a message. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, we just, or he didn't know it, but I had church right back there uh, just hearing him sing it. Brother, that's good stuff. Thank you so much for that. I love that line in that song. It's funny how things just hit you right sometimes, but when it says, you're the God of the breakthrough when I'm breaking down, isn't that good? You know, when you come to your wits end, you don't know what else to do, and you don't know where, where, where else to turn, uh, and you feel like that uh, you just can't go on, he's the God of the breakthrough, and I'm so very thankful for that this evening. So much truth in that. Take your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. It is good to be with each and every one of you tonight. I'm so thankful that you've made a decision to come be a part of these services this evening. We've got the great privilege and opportunity of studying together a brand new chapter in the book of 1 Corinthians. As you know, we're going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, straight through this book. Man, it's been a blessing to me. I hope and pray that it's been a blessing to you. Um, it has been very informative for me uh, and a lot of the ways and we're going to talk about tonight of what not to do. And that's good to know, you know, what not to do when it comes to serving the Lord in our church and, our, and the ministry that He has uh, right here at this place. Because God's Word is real and relevant. It's real for us tonight. It's relevant for us tonight. And I want us to get a hold of this truth so that we can be all that God wants us to be. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, Paul really switches gears a little bit. I mean, for the first 11 chapters, we, he doles out a whole lot of correction and rebuke. I mean, we've seen that over and over and over again. He's continually correcting this church, rebuking this church, because they're, they're just very carnal. They're very fleshly. They're not being spirit-led at all, but being led by the passions and lusts of the flesh, the old sinful nature. And Paul brings that to light so that they can change. Now, how many of you understand that's not a bad thing? That's a good thing. And, and it's not just a bad thing or not just a good thing for them, but it's a good thing for us. Let me tell you why. If we don't know where we're wrong, then how can we get right? Amen? If we don't know where we're falling short, then how in the world can we know how to get back on the right track and actually be the followers of Christ that he saved us to be and called us to be? So it's a good thing to be corrected you know, by the uh, person of the Holy Spirit, by the presence of God. Um, and that's exactly what happens here with the book of 1 Corinthians because we know the Apostle Paul was given this truth inspired by the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? It was God-breathed. He gave it to his people then, but it's also true and relevant for his people now. And so it's good for them, yes, but it's also good for us. And it's good for us for two reasons. First of all, we can learn from their mistakes. Amen. If you can look at that mistakes that they're making where God is rebuking them and saying, look, don't do this, uh, then we shouldn't do it. And if we find our behavior matching their mistakes, then we just need to repent. <laughs> and that's how we apply God's truth to our lives. You know, and, and so I'm so thankful for what the Bible gives us right here. I don't know about you, but that's how I like it. I like to be told you know, what I'm supposed to be doing. I, I like to have clear direction on which way I'm supposed to go. I was just talking just a few weeks ago to um, my flight instructor, and I told him the same thing. You know, he's a great teacher. Uh, he's a very encouraging guy and uh, does a good job at what he does. And, and we got uh, finished with a lesson, and he always goes back over the good things and things we need to improve on after the lesson. And I could tell, you know, he was really wanting to encourage, but he was kind of holding back on some things he wanted to say or at least needed to say. All right. And so I just told him, I said, look, buddy, you don't have to tiptoe around my feelings. 
If you've got something that needs to be said and I'm not, I'm not doing something I need to do, tell me because I want to be the best pilot I can be. Amen? Now, the same is true for the child of God. That's how we need to react to what God's Word gives us. Listen, it may hurt our feelings sometimes. The truth is, uh, it may offend us sometimes. I, I can tell you this, very seldom do I pick up a copy of the Word of God that I'm not offended because I see areas in my life that needs to change. But that's, again, not a bad thing. That's a good thing. It's getting us closer to where the Lord wants us to be, what he saved us to be. And that's what Paul does in the book of 1 Corinthians and really all of his writings throughout the New Testament. So uh, in chapter number 12, though, he kind of switches gears a little bit. A lot of correction, a lot of rebuke in these first 11 chapters. When he gets to chapter 12, he brings about a lot of encouragement, a lot of edification. He builds the people up. He shares with them uh, their purpose and thereby shares with us our purpose as the children of God. I could not wait to get to chapter 12 because it is just power packed with some life changing truth that will make a difference in your walk with Christ individually. And I can promise you, if we, all of us individually will apply these truths that we're about to look in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to our lives, it'll certainly be a benefit to our church collectively. Amen? If we can really get a hold of who we are in Christ and what He saved us to be and how He's called us um, to live out our faith and enabled us to do so, that's really what's being said here in the 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Paul talks a whole lot about spiritual gifts, okay? Now, if you are a part of the group me thread that uh, a lot of us are, then I gave you this morning the, the uh, title of my message. Do you know, if you're a child of God tonight, if you are a blood-bought, born-again believer, you're a child of God, and you are a gifted child, if you believe it, say amen. You truly are. God has gifted you to be what he saved you to be. You are gifted. Now, I want you to get a hold of that. I want you to understand that because I fear what, how, what we think and how we feel sometimes is really how I think sometimes, uh, how I feel sometimes. I can see how the Lord has gifted other people. But it, sometimes it's hard for me to see where he's gifted me. You ever feel that way? I mean, you can look out and, and people that uh, maybe in the church or people that you look up to in your family or your friend group, and you can see how God has gifted them, but it's hard to see your gifts. For me, I look at, you know, these great men of God that I look up to that are my mentors, that are my heroes in the faith. Um, that these great preachers, men like uh, Dr. Johnny Mays, he's been here with us several times. And I, I can look at Dr. Johnny and I think, hey, now that brother right there, I know the Lord has gifted him to share the truth of the Word of God. And he's a blessing to me. You know, always has been. He's been a great mentor of mine. I'm so thankful for him. So I can see the gifting that God has put upon his life. I can see his gifts. I, I look at men like... Uh, Dr. Adrian Rogers, you know, what a gifted man of God he was. Uh, Dr. David Jeremiah, you know, I, can, I look at him and I say, hey, I know God's gifted him. Uh, Tony Evans, you know, uh, Chuck Swindoll, a lot of these great men of God, I can look at them and see how the Lord has gifted them. Sometimes it's hard for me to see where my gifts are. And maybe you feel the same way. Maybe you can look around and see others and say, hey, I see it right there. I see it in him or I see it in her. But it's hard to see it in yourself. I want you to rest assured tonight. According to the truth of the word of God, you, you are a gifted child. Don't think about nobody else. Think about you because that's what God 
is saying we all have been given gifts by the Holy Spirit so that we might be what he saved us to be, each and every one of us. We can all see it in great men and women of God of faith, but I want you to see it in you. That's what God has for us here this evening, each and every one of us. Now, the first thing that Paul talks about, he gives a description of the gifts. Look in chapter number 12 and verse number 1. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. So how does he describe the gifts that God gives us? Does anybody see it there? What does he say? What kind of gifts are they? Spiritual gifts. Now, before we go any further, let me make this plain to you. Do you know God is so good, he gives us a whole lot of stuff that he can and will use for his honor and his glory? I mean, God gives us all kinds of things. He gives us natural ability and talents that he can and will use for his honor and his glory. I look around in our church, man, and I see people that just ooze with natural talent. I mean, it's all over. Gifted singers and musicians, this brother right here. Uh, such a great natural talent, and I'm so thankful for his ministry. You know, I, I see others that uh, some of our ladies and men who were just gifted singers and musicians, and, and to be honest with you, I'm a little bit jealous of that. I mean, maybe I need to pray about it, but I'm not envious, but I am jealous a little bit of it. I, I don't have a, a musical bone in my body, never really have. I love music. I always wanted, you know, that gift, but it's something I never had. Let me tell you what happened to me this week. We was out uh, working this just yesterday, as a matter of fact. Man, the sun's were, sun was shining, the birds were singing, the blue skies were blue, and just a good day. Just felt good, you know, out there with uh, beautiful uh, fall weather, uh, low 70s, um, high 60s. Just a good day to be outside. Man, I was enjoying the day. We was all out there working together, putting up some signs out on Corridor X. Had three or four guys with me. And in the midst of us out there working, man, I was just singing, enjoying the day. And one of the men that was with me, a good friend of mine, Brother Mark Latham, he looked at me, he said, now, Pastor, I want you to know something. I believe with all my heart, God's given you a good word to preach. I believe he's called you to preach, but he ain't never called you to sing. You, you, you need to pray about that. You need to think about that. Now, that, now, he goes on to say, he was very encouraging. He said, now, I want to tell you, it's not that God can't do that, but you need to pray about it. I mean, and so I, I got his point. I understood what he was saying. That's just not really a natural talent of mine. And that's okay. God gives us other natural talents. We've got several in the church that maybe you're not musically inclined, but in other ways you are. I know some ladies right here, man, that can cook up a storm. And they have that talent and that ability, and they use that for the honor and glory of God and to show the love of Christ to others. And that's such a powerful thing, I'm telling you. Um, it, it's a um, it's a blessing to be able to do that because not everybody can not everybody can do that. We've got men who are mechanics or carpenters or whatever, and and they use those talents and there's there those abilities that God has given them those natural talents to go out and make a difference in someone else's life, and all of that's good. And I'm I'm not trying in any way to diminish any of that because God can use it, God does use it, and God will use it if you'll make yourself available to it. Amen? No doubt about it. But now we need to understand when the Apostle Paul is talking here, he's not, as, he's not talking about natural gifts, but supernatural gifts. He's not talking about natural ability, but spiritual enablement that God gives to every believer. All right? 
And he'll describe that the further that he goes on through this as we begin to see it. It's spiritual gifts given supernaturally to the child of God so that we might be what the Lord want us, wants us to be. Now, if you're taking notes, write this down. Whom God saves, he enables to be what he saved them to be. Whom God saves, he enables them to be what he saved them to be. God does not leave you alone after you've been born again in the family of God just to figure it out, does he? No, by his supernatural power through the person of the Holy Spirit, he enables us to be then what he's called us, saved us to be. So we need to understand that. These are supernatural gifts given by God himself. Now, the second part of this verse is something that we really need to take note of because there's a danger here. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, he's talking to brothers and sisters in Christ, I would not have you ignorant. Now, he says, there's some ignorant things going on in Corinth. There's some carnal, fleshly, um, ignorant things happening there in the church. So he's dealing with it. He said, I don't want you to walk in ignorance. Now, great football coach that I had once upon a time by the name of Kenny Goggins explained to me many years ago the difference between ignorance and stupidity. And I've never forgotten it. I've always remembered that. He says this. He says, um, I, I was, I was, we was playing in a game against Fayette. I'll never forget it. And, and I've done something crazy on the field that I shouldn't have done. Cost us a little bit. And he called me to the sideline. He says, now let me ask you something. He said, did you do that out of ignorance or stupidity? And I said, well, coach, what do you mean, ignorance or stupidity? He said, he gave me a scenario. He said, okay, if the running back, I was playing outside linebacker. He said, if the running back does this, what are you supposed to do? And so I told him, and he said, oh, so you knew what to do. He said, so you didn't do this out of ignorance. You're just stupid. <laughs> what was he, what was he trying? <laughs> and he was right. I mean, See, when you know what to do, when you know what's right, but you don't do it, well, that's just stupidity. And how many of you know we've all done some stupid things? I know I have. We all do. Praise God for His grace because we can all do some stupid things. Now, I want to make less and less and less and less stupid decisions the further along I go because why? That's a sign of growth. You've you got to learn from stupid mistakes. We don't wallow in stupid mistakes. We don't uh, continue in stupid mistakes. We learn from stupidity. But, and so he said, he said, if you were ignorant, what he told me was, you wouldn't have known what you were supposed to do. You just didn't know, so you just did the best you could. And so Paul says, I don't want the church at Corinth to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. They didn't know really what spiritual gifts were or how God the Holy Spirit operated. And so he says, you're ignorant of what God wants to do, can do, and will do in your life. And they were had it completely backwards. And so he makes it clear for them and he makes it clear from us. Now, how many of you know, folks, I don't want us to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. I don't want us to be scared of spiritual gifts. Sometimes I think that... Um, Folk, churches like ours, a Baptist church, are a little bit apprehensive when people start talking about spiritual gifts, and that should not be the case. Listen to me. God has given us spiritual gifts to enable us to be what He wants us to be. 
Should they be carried out in order? Yeah, we're going to see that. Should they be carried out in the way God says uh, that they should be? Absolutely, we're going to see all of that. But we don't need to be scared of it. We need to embrace it. We need to pray for it. We need to ask God that he gives us the gifts we need so that we can be more effective in whatever he wants us to do. We'll see how Paul makes that clear to them and to us. So first of all, you've got to see the description of the gifts. But then he talks about something, and this is a little more reproving, correct, rebuke and correction. He talks about the distortion of gifts. Look at verse 2. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. So he brings them back to their past. He said, you remember where you used to be. You were Gentiles who worshipped pagan false gods, and you went through a lot of these crazy rituals where you just went into a frenzy and did things um, that were just really ignorant and sometimes maybe even stupid. Then he goes on to verse 3, or excuse me, uh, yeah, verse 3. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Evidently, if I'm reading between the lines a little bit here, someone in the church at Corinth had in the frenzy of worship stood up and said that Jesus was cursed by God and gave the Holy Spirit credit for it. So he makes it plain. That can't be true. And I'll show you why that can't be true in just a minute. Well, let me read to you something that I read that really blessed my heart. It comes from Dr. Warren Wiersbe. Listen how he puts it. The devil wants to give the Holy Spirit a bad name. He wants to take the, that which is good and godly and pervert it and distort it and turn it into something that shames God instead of pleases God. That's always been the devil's M.O. I mean, that's why he does what he does and operates like he operates. He wants to distort, pervert that which is good to cause God to look bad. Now, the devil is a pervert. The devil is in the business of distortion, taking that which is good, twisting it and turning it, and causing it to shame God instead of please God. I like how he puts that. That's so powerful. And when it comes to the area of spiritual gifts, he was doing this in the church at Corinth. Now, listen, let me tell you something, folks. You say, well, Brother Israel, that was, you know, thousands of years ago. Is that really a big deal today? Absolutely, it's a big deal today. Listen, there are still people that are being used of Satan to distort and pervert the workings of the Holy Spirit. I was watching something just here the other day, uh, and I don't even I don't encourage you to watch it. I'm not putting it out there for um, you to go home and look it up. I, I wouldn't even recommend that. It's so out there and false um, teaching, uh, false worship. It's a, it's a false prophet. I mean, you don't have to look far to see that. I, someone told me about it, and so I looked it up. It's called John of God. It's a documentary that came out a few years ago, and it's about a man who claims to be a prophet and who claims to have the gift of healing. He's from Brazil, and there are people that come from all over the world to visit this man's church. Um, and a lot of people who claim the name of Jesus, a lot of people who have claimed to, uh, to trust in Christ and been born again, have been fooled by this man. He's become extremely rich in Brazil 
um, because he claims to be, quote, unquote, a healer, all right? Um, now, come to find out, after many years of robbing people of their money, he was also charged with molesting hundreds of girls and women that were in his care there at his church where he was supposedly doing the healing. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said that you will know the, fruit, uh, the tree by what? The fruit it bears. And it, when he's speaking that in the book of Matthew, he's talking about false prophets. He said they come to you like wolves in sheep's clothing. They come acting like sheep. Now, sheep is a reference to the people of God. How many of you know all of us as children of God are called his sheep, him being the good shepherd? Amen? So what Jesus is saying is they come to you acting like they're in, the, they're in the family of God, they're in the fold. But really what they are are ravenous wolves. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. And you'll be able to spot them by the fruit they're bearing in their life. This man was finally found out. He lost most of his following in Brazil, but now he's actually um, got another big following, started in a different location, and people from all over the world are still coming. He gives credit to saints of old for the healings that are happening. He gives credit to these different spirits that somehow um, come in and indwell his body, and he says that he heals these people which anybody who would just read their Bible would know right off, that's not the work of the Holy Spirit. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 4. The Bible says that there are, uh, there are many spirits and that we are to try the spirits. Excuse me. Brother, I gave you the wrong verse. Let me go over to 1 John. I want to make sure I get the right one. And let's look. First John 4 and 1 instead of 4 and 4. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. How I many know there are many demonic entities, spirits, that are operating in the world that we live in? Many. There are many different spirits. The Bible says we are to try the spirits or test the spirits to see whether or not they are of God, to see whether or not someone is a false prophet. Now, let me ask you, how do we try a spirit? How do we test whether or not what someone is saying or doing is of God? Somebody give me a good answer for that. Is it backed up by God's word? Is it backed up by our standard? I was preaching Sunday morning over in Hackleburg, and I told them a story that I want to tell you. When I was about 18 years old, I'll never forget something that happened um, to me and one of my friends. We decided we was going into the pupwood business. And his dad, or his grandpa one, I can't really remember, had a pupwood truck. 
And so we called his dad up, when, and he talked to him, and he said, Dad, we want to use the putwood truck. We want to haul us a load of two lumber and make some money this summer, you know, while we was off of school. And so his dad said, all right, we can do that. And so for three days, I was in the putwood business. And brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, putwood won't make you hunt a job. Putwood will make you find a job. And I, I figured out right quick, there's a lot easier ways to make money than than cutting down pup wood. But the first thing we did when we got out there, he took that saw, cut down the tree, and cut us what he called a standard log. It was a 16-foot saw log, and it, his dad did this for us. And, and he measured the diameter, and he said, look, the mill won't take anything that's less than this 16-foot log. So every log that you put on the truck that the mill's going to take has to be at least this size. Now, it can be bigger, needs to be bigger, but it's got to be at least this big. That was the standard. Everything was measured by that standard. Amen? How do we try the spirits? How do we test and try those who are preaching a false gospel or a false doctrine? We try it by our standard. Everything must match this. If you believe it, say amen. Now, how do we know what is of God and what is not? How do we know, like Paul says, anyone who tells us that Jesus is cursed by God is not of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit ain't going to do that. The Holy Spirit's going to call Jesus Lord. Can you say amen? How do we know it? Well, let's listen to what Jesus said. Go back to the Word of God with me to John chapter number 16. John chapter 16 and verse number 13. Watch what Jesus says concerning the coming of the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 13. When you got it, say, I got it. All right, watch this. Howbeit, when He, the Spirit of truth, which is the Holy Spirit, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak. Who's He going to hear it from? Watch. And He will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for He shall, he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. So Jesus said, whatever the Holy Spirit hears from me, he's going to give you. Amen. He's going to testify of the lordship of Jesus. He's not going to testify of himself, but of Christ. So any ministry, any preacher, listen, any service that is not glorifying Jesus in everything that's happening, guess what? That's not the Holy Spirit. It can be flesh, it can be another spirit, but it has to glorify Jesus if it's going to be the Holy Spirit. Why do, why, why do we keep saying, and, and we're going to keep saying over and over and over again, we've got to make it all about Jesus, everything we do. Amen? Folks, that's how the Holy Spirit works. That's what God wants. Colossians 1.18, brother, if you will please put that on the screen for me. I love this verse. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 18. And he is the head of the body, meaning Jesus, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Now watch this. That in all things he might have the preeminence. Can anybody give me a good definition for preeminence? It means that Jesus might hold the chief place, the most powerful, absolutely. So what Paul is saying in Colossians 1.18 is that in everything we do, 
Jesus has to hold the chief place. And the Holy Spirit will always point us toward that. And if we're not being pointed toward that, we're not being preached, about, preached to about that, we're not being shared to about that, um, then it's not what God wants. Does that make sense to you? We are to test and try what some might call the work of the Holy Spirit because there are some distortion of gifts that were happening in Corinth, but it's still happening today. We've got to be very careful about that. Not only do I want you to see the description of the gift and the distortion of the gifts, but also verse number four tells us the diversities of gifts. Now watch what he says. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Now what does the word diverse mean? We all know that as much as we hear it uh, in today's world. Different kinds. It's different kinds of gifts. Now, my gift may not be your gift, and your gift may not be my gift, but God uses my gift and your gift in concert with the rest of the gifts of the body so that we might all accomplish His purpose. So what God wants, what God's after, what God has planned is unity in diversity. Amen. Not uniformity, again. That, listen, I don't have to be just like you, and God didn't create me or gift me to be just like you. And you don't have to be just like me because God didn't create you or give you gifts to be just like me, and that's all right. Listen, where I fall short, you can compliment, and where you fall short, maybe I can compliment so that we're all working together to give honor and glory to Jesus. Unity in diversity. Now, how does this work? Well, he tells us. Look what the Bible says, starting in verse number five. Verse number five, he talks about, um, or excuse me, verse number four, he talks about diversities of gifts. Now, when we're talking about gifts, we're talking about God's provision. Write this down. Gifts equal God's provision. He's enabling us through his provision to do his work. Gifts are talking about provision. Now, watch what else. And there are diversities of administration. The word administration there means purpose. Listen, God has given us his provision, his gifts for a purpose. Everybody say purpose. You must realize you have a purpose inside the body of Christ. Now, I know that most people think, well, the pastor has a ministry and the evangelist has a ministry and the full-time missionary has a ministry, but nobody thinks the layman that sits on a church pew has a ministry. According to the Word of God, we've all got a ministry. Every single one of us have a ministry, an area in which God has gifted us so that we might serve Him, show our love to Christ, and our love to others, and so that we might impact a lost and dying world. You are a gifted child. God has gifted you for ministry. I've had people come to me many times. They say, Pastor, I just don't feel fulfilled in my walk with the Lord. I'm frustrated. I don't feel like I'm growing. I don't feel like I'm where I need to be. I'm not walking in joy. And you know what I always say? Now, I know there's a lot of different reasons for the loss of joy in the life of a believer. Unconfessed sin is one of them. That's what happened with David. He just had unconfessed sin in his life. You can find that in Psalm 51. We get, the, we get sin out of our life and we confess it to the Lord, then joy remains. Our joy can be full. And we can draw from that joy to give us strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? 
So this unconfessed sin is a cause of loss of joy. But let me tell you something else. Let me tell you another cause of a loss of joy in the life of a believer. When a believer is not doing what a believer has been saved to do. Do you realize God has saved you to serve? We talk about this so much and I'm so glad we do. We need to keep this fresh on our minds, fresh on our hearts. We actually talked about it Sunday night in our men's group. When, when you're on the mission field and your sole focus, your sole purpose for being there is to serve Jesus and serve others, is there a difference in your level of joy? It's almost like it's just you just bursting at the seams with the joy of the Lord. I had a dog for 14 years named Lobo. Now I know y'all gonna think I'm crazy, but pray for me. I lost Lobo yesterday. That's my buddy, I'm telling you. I miss that old dog. Let me tell you something about Lobo. Lobo loved to bark. That sucker bark at anything, everything, all the time, until he finally got to where he just couldn't much bark anymore. But Lobo loved to bark. He'd bark at rabbits, squirrels, deer, shadows, whatever. He loved to bark. People, whatever he could bark at, he loved to bark. And he usually liked to bark laying right under my window and all throughout the night. Just bark, 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 bark. And I'd get up and say, Lobo, hush, quit barking. And as soon as I'd get back and get laid down and get warm, what would he do? Bark, 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 bark. Why was he barking? Why? Because he's a dog. And that's what dogs do. Right? That's what he's created to do. He barks. You ever seen a fish swimming? Just a few months ago, um, we went to the beach, me and Brandy, for a weekend. And while we were down there, we seen schools of dolphins pass right in front of our condo that we were staying in. And one morning, I bet we seen 30 dolphins, and they were all coming up out of the water, jumping around, right, going right past our window. And it was so cool to see all that, you know. And, and, and I don't know, I couldn't see the look on those dolphins' faces, but I bet they were smiling while they were doing it. I mean, they're just jumping up and down, having a good time. We sat there and watched them all morning. Now, why was those dolphins, I believe, happy swimming down the beach? Because they're dolphins. And that's what dolphins are created to do. You ever seen a bird? Man, when the wind's blowing and gusting, right before a good storm, how they'll get up and ride those winds You'll see them just pick up and down and pick up and down and just soar through the air. I bet those birds are enjoying themselves. Let me tell you why. Because they're a bird. Birds are created to fly. Fish are created to swim. Dogs are created to bark. And let me tell you something. Christians are new creations created to serve. And when you're not serving, when you're not operating in the gift that God has given you, it's very, very, very difficult for you to have the joy that God wants you to have. Amen? You got to find an area of service and get in it. Man, get plugged in. 
So vitally important that we do that. God has given you provision through his gift because he's given you a purpose, administration. And then watch this now. I love this. Look at the next verse, verse number six. And there are diversities of operations. Now, what does he mean by that? But it's the same spirit which worketh all in all. He says, gifts speak of provision. Administration speaks of purpose. Do you know what the word operation speaks of? It's the same word that we get our English word energy from. That's the Greek word this comes from. It's talking about power. It's talking about power. So what's Paul saying? Paul is saying that God has provided us gifts to enable us, listen to me now, to fulfill our purpose. And he does all of that by and through his power. His power. Now, it's the same power, the same God, which works all in all. That means the same God that's working in me is working in you, if you're a believer. And the same God that's working in you is working in those great men of God that I mentioned before. You know the same Jesus who works in and through and with David Jeremiah works in you? You say, oh, Brother Israel, he's gifted David Jeremiah more. No, he hasn't. Maybe different, but he's gifted you too. And he used you too. If you'll let him, if you'll let him, if I'll let him. I tell you, hope you remember this. Hope you think about this. Hope you apply this. The best you you can be is you full of Jesus. When you are full of him, full of the spirit, being led by the spirit, I can promise you you're right where God wants you to be what he's created you to be when you're operating by his power. And I'm telling you that is a blessed thing. It's a joyful thing when you know God's using you in the area that you're gifted in. Provision, purpose, power. Gifts, administrations, operations. Are you getting it? Now, not only do I want you to see the description of the gifts and the distortion of the gifts that was at Corinth, you need to see the diversity of gifts that we just spoke about, but now I also want you to see the design of the gifts. The design of the gifts. That's number four. Look at the next verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number seven. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. Now read that again. Every man. Again, folks, not some men, not most men, not a lot of people, but every blood-bought, born-again believer has been given gifts by the Spirit. Now what's the design? What's it for? Why did God do it this way? so that everyone might profit. We don't need to be selfish with our gifts. If God's given you a gift, and he has, you need to be sharing that gift with the body so that all of us might have unity and diversity and accomplish the goal of the head. Who's the head? Who's the head of the church? Jesus. Absolutely. But it takes us all operating in our gifts to fulfill his purpose. We'll look at more what that means next week. I'm not going to go on and share with you these different kinds of gifts that are mentioned. We'll look at that as we have more time next Wednesday night. But I just want you to get a hold of this tonight. Whom God saves, he enables. He enables to be what he saved them to be. Don't miss that. 
Think on that. Dwell on that. Pray that God reveals to you the gifts he's given you so that you can get in the body and be busy. So you can get plugged in and be what God wants you to be, wherever that might be. Any comments or questions?